Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Watching the Boxes Fantasy Basketball Podcast, hosted by hashtag basketball.com and draft.com, where if you use the promo code BOXES, you will get a free entry to your first draft. I'm your host, Mike Katrin, and joining me as always is my co-host, Tyler Watts. What's up, Tyler? Michael. This is an exciting episode, but no one wants to hear from me, so let's introduce the special guest. That is true. Uh, We do have a special guest to uh, prepare you for your draft, to talk about nonsense, and uh, also to uh, hopefully help with deciding on what format you actually, if you're starting a league, what format to start a league in. We have Kyle McEwen from Basketball Monster one of the uh, reasons we even have a podcast right now. So Kyle McEwen, welcome to the podcast. Uh, yeah, yeah. I had to give you guys uh, fatherly permission to do the podcast, apparently. Uh, yeah. Um, no. Um, hey, thanks for having me on, guys. This is going to be fun. I'm, no. I'm looking forward to talking about a bunch of stuff, saying a bunch of stupid things, and uh, misleading people in their fantasy drafts this year. Listen, we wouldn't have it any other way. That is why we invited you on. Uh, to just say random stuff. Uh, last time you're on, I think we even talked about uh, Star Trek to Next Generation, if I remember correctly. So this could really go anywhere for all you new listeners out there. I just hope that we spend time talking about Star Trek: The Next Generation on this podcast. It's, uh, I think it's, I think it's going to happen. But yeah, if you want the the brief history out there, uh, when Kyle, I think this, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, when you went to Basketball Monster. That's when Mark Roberts, who we uh, we rely heavily on for our projections, uh, ended up looking for another podcast host, and that's how me and Tyler ended up on Mark Roberts's podcast. And then me and Tyler started our own podcast. It's like full circle. Yeah. Now you're on this podcast. Yeah. No. I uh, Josh and I both used to work at RotoWire, and then yeah. he got hired at Basketball Monster, and then he recommended me to get hired there. Um, uh, <laughs> worst mistake of his life. Uh, yeah, that but uh, like a bad choice. Yeah, right. But um, <laughs> and, and you know we've been there for three years now, and it's uh it's been a lot of fun. It's a great job working with Ken and Matt and Greg. Um, it's just a good small crew of people, and um, you know in the past we've done a lot of collaborative uh projections over there. But last season we started with some draft projections where we kept two separate uh, draft sets. Um, Josh did the one set, I did another, and this year we did that again, and we're going to continue to do a two different set of projections all season to try to help kind of just offer different perspectives about how things are going to uh, unfurl throughout the rest of the season. Um, and in regards to DFS and season long um, fantasy basketball application. So yeah, um, that's what I do over at basketball monster. I, I do my own projection set and then I do write a little bit of content. Most of my content this season though has just been, um, doing a beat the pro series of articles. So I'm playing against a bunch of the basketball monster subscribers in different, uh, different style of leagues or different league settings. Um, well, and you're, you're the, you're the pro right you're considered the pro in that one. Yeah. 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 It's, <laughs> it's based the, when I was uh, growing up in Muskegon, Michigan, the local newspaper had this beat the pro thing every single week for the end during the NFL season where you would fill out your like uh pick them style thing, send it into the paper. And if you beat the pro, which was just one of the rotating uh, crew of sports writers that they picked, uh, they, they, they put your name in the paper and it was like a, you know, just a kind of oh. cool little thing to do. So that's where I took the name from. I just kind of, 
wanted to use something nostalgic, I guess, or reference that. So, but yeah, I like, I like the idea. It's kind of uh, a light, friendly legal gambling, and, and that I guess that's what fantasy yeah. basketball is anyway. It's a bunch of free leagues because I didn't want to necessarily like exclude anyone or, or give anybody any subscribers a reason not to play against me. So like, there's not there's not a lot to to like go after in it. But that was one of the reasons why I wanted to call it Beat the Pro too, because I wanted to kind of egg people on and be like, all right, you know, prove you're better than me. Show you know, in, in some respects, or just like, uh, you know, show me how stupid I am. It's a good way to hone your skills. Uh, everybody, go check out basketballmonster.com if you already haven't. I I think a lot of people already have it is a great uh resource a, a really good way uh even if you're not behind the paywall there's some really yeah. good resources oh, there dude. and behind the paywall there's a ton of good resources so totally for years I, b- before i started working at basketball monster you know i'd be oh, what justin fan and uh, oh, yeah. uh matt bosser were there before and all this kind of stuff and before 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 justin and matt were there and it was just Ken doing everything by himself with all the the great tools and everything it's it's the fact that it's a clean interface it's it's um you know it's simplistic it's it's and there's it's, a community there too oh absolutely there's a great community there you know greg Ehrenberg, who's our a dfs expert on the site does a, a daily dfs article on all the the big slate days and everything and and offers tons of commentary in his articles feedback to people who are asking certain very pointed questions throughout the day users on the site the community there greg came from that community greg was on the site posting on the message boards just being a member of the basketball monster community and uh, Ken noticed it, you know, uh, and said, Hey, you should start actually applying some of this and write for us and be a content producer. And, and uh, it's awesome to have somebody who's a, an active part of the DFS community. Who's also creating this daily content too, which is based off of his real life. Um, I can't think of a good word to describe it, but you know, his, his, his his real life pursuits or his, uh, obsessions. uh, Yes. 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 Um, manic, uh, manic, um, episodes perhaps. So that's, that's kind of the whole basketball monster. uh, I love it. Uh, yeah, go check that out if you haven't everybody. Um, so we got Kyle here and we're going to talk about, um, basically prepping for your draft. What, um, you know, we talk about how we show up to the drafts, what we think, but it's, it's always good to get another perspective out there. And um, I, I guess I'm going to just start out with asking a question, Kyle. When you play in a league, if you could choose to play in any sort of league, what what kind of league would you want to play in? I think for the most part, I, I, I go back to the things that, or the leagues that I started playing in, and that's a head-to-head eight-cat league. So I enjoy playing in the head-to-head, going through the playoffs. Yes, it's frustrating if you get beat by a lesser team because you have injuries later in the season or or for whatever reason. But there's something about the fact that, okay, in a roto league, if you don't draft well or you do so poorly early in the season that you just almost can't get into that top tier or you can't fight for that number one overall roto spot, it becomes a bit of a chore in some respects, I think. But at least with a head-to-head league, you're fighting for that playoff spot, and then you're you're going through every single week, looking through the matchups and trying to discern what guys you're going to stream in throughout the playoffs. And I like that. I like the uncertainty. I love the fact that in my hometown league last year, it came down to you know a four-to-four tie, but because I had beaten the my opponent in our regular season record. I won the championship. I think that's an okay way to have it play out. 
I'm yeah. I'm all right with that. Yeah, head to head is super accessible, and uh, I always rant. I, I think I know you, and I, I, th- I also think uh, uh, Josh Lloyd, your counterpart over at, at Basketball Monster, are, are anti turnovers, and I'm I'm still in the pro turner uh, turnover bandwagon. I'm still a nine cat roto purist uh, from back in the old school '90s Yahoo days, um, and I, I'll never leave. I'm just going to be the old man on the block yelling at everybody. First- hey, look to each their own. I was. I was looking at we have a, a poll a page full of polls user created polls on Basketball Monster and I was looking through some of them and uh, like a week a week and a half ago and I was pretty sure there was one that almost flatly showed a, a strong discernment towards people preferring nine cat over eight cat which is it's for me I'm just like I'm like I'm like why why would you want to add a ninth category that is completely derived from Look, the best players, you know, the best players have the most turnovers. Yes, you have certain players who are more efficient or or less prone to turnovers, but the the people who have the ball in the hand, their hands the most, have the most turnovers. There's that correlation is just like it's it not doesn't a, matter. It's not a negative correlation, right? It's, it's just it's a, a correlation, exactly. And I don't, I would rather look at all of the positive contributions that the players are doing and and try to measure that instead of looking at this one negative thing that that may be in some ways tied to i don't know the system you play or just the fact that like you do need you know you do need this one player to hammer the ball so much and have the ball in their hands so much because everybody else on the roster sucks at doing that task so um i don't know dude turnovers get, are just lame i can get behind that in an, in a in a head to head league uh, i still kind of like it in a roto league um it is you're right it is hard to keep people engaged in a roto league come february if they're if they're a hundred percent uh out of it you do have to kind of have a dedicated group of people who are um it usually works better in like a keeper or even a dynasty format i think because those guys are usually in it for the long haul uh they're playing for either uh, draft picks next season or um some other just pride to talk shit about their to their friends with uh, Roto leagues do seem to be uh, not for the, hey, let's just start a random league with some either random people or casual people. And head-to-head is actually incredibly more um, accessible. Uh, one of the things I do find, uh, I think, a little difficult is since some people play head-to-head, some people play Roto. Uh, for some reason, people have double-doubles and triple-doubles as categories, for uh, which they should probably just stop doing, in my opinion. Uh, do you find it hard to kind of like give advice to to do analysis for fantasy basketball with all the uh, i guess just different formats that are uh, out there that people play no because you i guess one thing that i guess the most important thing about about this whole conversation is yes i do have a a preference or a favorite kind of league but i want to play every single kind of different fantasy league that's out there if i can i want to get into one where instead of free throw percentage, you use free throws made so that guys like DeAndre Jordan and Ben Simmons and Andre Drummond aren't going to kill you. They're going to be positive contributors because you're not looking at their the, the free throws they miss. You're only looking at the ones they're making. Um, I want to play in a points league, even though I think it's kind of quote-unquote rudimentary. Um, yeah, I'm not a big fan of those points leagues. I just It just feels like those players become a point total and not a, a piece of a puzzle. And, um, you know, I, I like 
personally, the, 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 especially since I play in Roto Leagues, fitting the pieces together to have the most efficient, the best team across the board. Roto Leagues are the most fair in in regard to, you know, everybody's got the same opportunity to create a team who's going to come out with the best statistical production where, you know, you're not going to run run into the wrong team on the wrong week like you will in a head-to-head playoff setup. Um, because you, you, certain guys got rested on a back-to-back or, or what have you. Um, you can mitigate those things in a rotisserie league uh, going down the season as long as you manage your games well. So there's, I think there's more satisfaction from winning a rotisserie league and coming down, especially when, Certainly. when, when you're coming down to the last week and there's still a debate about who's going to win the league. Or you think you've got it wrapped up because you're eight points up, and then all of a sudden you go and you look one morning, uh, two days out, and you're like, "I'm only three points up. What's going on?" So, yeah, man, it's it's exciting, and and that's and that's what I mean about I want to play in all these different kind of leagues. You know, I want to play in a thirty team league where it's super frustrating because it's like real basketball and the team that you root for, and the fact that yeah, you're probably not going to have a, a chance at a championship anytime soon. That's true. It's very Golden State Warriors esque, for for especially in roto leagues. Um, you're you're right about that strategy. Like I love the. Uh, I've had a, actually a couple roto leagues where it's the final day and people are uh, everyone's watching the same game wherever they are and free throws. Guys yeah. shooting free throws at the end of games are determining you know third, second, fifth place. You know, like it's just it's it can get pretty intense in in, in those roto leagues when they are that close and there's that extra bit of strategy where you're trading players that will help other players but will hurt the players ahead of you and get you yep. more points like there's just to me there's just an extra level of strategy in a in a roto league versus a head-to-head league um tyler you say this all the time if you want to add a even extra la- layer of strategy you prefer an auction league over a snake draft every time is that right tyler yeah, I mean, I just feel like in an auction, right, you can get any player you want. And you can get two or three first-round picks if that's the strategy you want to go with. And you can, and it just adds this layer of fun, right? Like, I can have anybody, and I can maybe bid you up on a player I know you really like, Mike. Whereas in a snake draft, right, it's just I got to wait for my turn, then I get to pick whoever is available. Yeah, if you manage your, your salary or your, your budget well in a in an auction draft and you can kind of stay in play all the whole draft, it is it is fun to be able to, in some ways, control prices or uh, enforce to make sure that players are actually going for the prices that they should be going for. Um, Bidding up the but, last center on the board, that's always fun. But the most important point you guys said, you get you can get, whatever player you want as long as you're willing to pay for them and that's a cool thing because if you're drafting number eight in a snake draft you only are going to have access to a certain group of players some some players aren't going to drop to to the number eight draft slot yeah it it can't allow you to go all right i'm going to build completely around ben simmons where in a snake draft you, you just might not get ben simmons depending on where you draft right you can't get Anthony Davis and James Harden in a snake draft together on the same team. But if you want to spend dang near, you know, all your budget or, of your money. Yeah. On just James Harden and, and Anthony Davis, and then spend like two bucks on every other player, you can do that in an auction. And that's pretty cool that you can do that. Cause, cause uh, I don't know. It might work. 
Yeah, if you're if you're ready to take your your fantasy league to a, uh, the next level, I'd say go with the auction draft this year. Make the change. There's going to be like three people who complain because they didn't prepare for it and they got hosed in the auction. But uh, screw them; they'll you, get they'll get over it. Everybody's got to be there though. If you if you've got a friend who who doesn't show up for drafts or shows up late, you can't because yeah. if you got somebody who shows up five minutes late, that's five minutes of guys being drafted where the auto draft feature just destroys it you, you can't you can't do it, it basically ruins the entire draft i would actually suggest if you can do it live do it through skype do it through something like doing it live gives you the time uh to to prep for every pick there's not a quick you know six second countdown um and also, it was a ten-second countdown, Mike. Are you still <laughs> pissed off about the Eric I Bledsoe? I am. Bid? I am still pissed off about the Eric so, Bledsoe bit. I was clicking that button; it popped up. There was like three seconds left. I was like, "What's happening?" Uh, my uh, the first thing he says to me yesterday when I talked to him was, "I can't believe about that Eric Bledsoe thing." <laughs> there was so, a, a last night we did uh, the auction draft, the the mock auction with Josh Lloyd over on uh, we. It was hosted on Yahoo, and. Middle of the draft, we had already had one issue where somebody accidentally typed in $122 to bid on Marc Gasol, and <laughs> Josh rolled that back because it was like, okay, that's an obvious mistake. He wasn't yeah. trying to bid $122 on Marc Gasol. It was, the, the bid was about to be a $22, so you could, everybody could just see what was happening there. So yeah. you roll it back. But then when the Eric Bledsoe thing happened, Eric Bledsoe gets put out by Josh for a dollar. And nobody bids. Now, there was a 10-second clock after a player gets nominated where you have an opportunity to bid. Nobody bid. Everybody was sleeping in the auction. And Josh got Eric Bledsoe, a, what, $38 player? Yeah. For a dollar. Which means he has 37 extra dollars on top of the 200 he had, he had already had. I'm calling shenanigans on, on that one. Oh, his team was the obvious <laughs> best team at the end of the draft because he, he had, had all 30, that, all that. Yeah. some extra dollars sitting around. So if he wanted a player later in the draft, he's got this extra $37 to just be like, oh, I can throw an extra $5 here, an extra $5 on seven different players. That's diabolical in an auction. So, But it, but it was also a, a teaching moment or a learning moment in that light in how intense auctions can be too because you do need to pay attention for – legitimately two 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 to four hours hours. yeah yeah depending on how deep the league is it could be a lot longer than two and a half hours you got to pay attention the whole time for every single player you have to have a value for every you're taking the laptop or your phone with you into the bathroom for those breaks because you can't leave it outside yeah it's a larger commitment and if you don't have a if you don't have a group of people who um want to commit that type of time then build a format and get your consensus with your league on what kind of format you want and actually that video is up i think on uh josh's youtube and also you can check out the podcast that uh, i did for that on uh, patreon.com slash watching the boxes that is exclusive for our patreon subscribers so go check that out so do you think that in a situation like that in an auction draft where a player like eric bledsoe goes for a dollar now in that situation all everybody had the opportunity to to, to bid on him and they did not would you would you roll it back uh, I think you'd have to get a consensus from the group. If everybody was like, "Well, hold," you're the hold commissioner. On. I'm the commissioner. I'm rolling. You're, it back. you're leading. You're, you're leading the uh, everybody's opinion here. I, I'm rolling it back because if I'm doing an oh. auction, 
I'm doing a you, slow. I'm doing a slow auction. You socialist? What I'm are you doing? A, I'm a. I'm a. I'm definitely a socialist. Everyone <laughs> should have a fair you, chance. You filthy socialist. I'll say this though. This is something I do in, in almost every auction draft I'm on when it's on the computer. So when a player gets put out, okay, like Yahoo's value for Eric Bledsoe might have been thirty-eight dollars. Maybe the most I really want to pay for Eric Bledsoe is like twenty-five bucks, right? Because I don't really want Eric Bledsoe. Maybe he doesn't really fit my strategy. Whatever. I'll put $25 in immediately. Like as soon as someone nominates that player, I'll put in a number that I'm like, all right, well, if no one else bids, I'll take him. And even if someone else bids one more dollar, like at least they didn't get a $37 steal. They only got a 10 or $12 steal. Yeah, that's a, a, that's a good strategy. But then like you're saying, Tyler, you have to have a, a, a value for every single one of the players in like the top, well, what, however big your league is, top 150. So how do you guys do that? How do you how do you determine what you're going to value players at? Because this was a head-to-head auction, so I was using a punt strategy. So I was looking at the standard 9-cat value mm-hmm. that everybody else was maybe considering. Then I was looking at an 8-cat value saying, okay, a lot of people are going to uh, punt turnovers. And then I was also looking at my punt strategy, which in head-to-head, if I'm creating a generalized rankings, I'll just punt the two percentages. And I'll, I'll no, here's the thing. I don't go by that those rankings route and say I'm taking everybody based on this for you know this set of rankings with these with the percentages punted. I don't just do that route. I use those rankings as a further way to reference and say what is the uh, range of this of each player's value. So if I'm punting the percentages, they can get this high. If 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 I'm punting this, I you get this. If you're doing this, you get that. And a lot of that's just based off the fact that in head to head leagues. I pre I prefer to target the six all six counting stats in my in my draft. I want to have those focused on, on my rankings because I feel like I'm just going to let the percentages go away, fall where they may. I want to be able to target guys like Andre Drummond for his elite rebounding because he can go out and get me you know sixty to eighty rebounds in a given week. Um, I want to target guys like Lonzo Ball because he's going to give me elite steals, give me blocks from a guard position, give me good rebounds, good assists, and you know who knows how much scoring, but probably not much. I want guys who offer elite or diverse production across several different ways because I'm looking for a pathway to mitigate injuries and schedule uh, changes or, or fluctuations or I'm not thinking of the right words. Yeah, you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket, right? You don't, Exactly. You don't. I don't. You know, I don't have one thing go wrong, and then your whole entire season screwed up. It's head to head. You have to win five categories in, in the. In, you know, in your in your playoff weeks, you have to win five categories. I want to be really strong in five to six categories. So let, and and I and want to try to win those every single week. So when you're showing up to like a head to head, let's say you're doing your favorite format. It's head to head. It's a cat. Uh, you're showing up with uh, a punt strategy already in mind. Or are you showing up with the rankings of the players and then the rankings of the players in a certain punch strategy and the rankings of those same players in a different punch strategy? Are you looking or just starting there and then tiering them differently depending on how the draft goes? Like what's what's your draft prep? You're you're essentially I'm looking at everything and and thanks to Basketball Monster and the tools that we have there, whether it's the draft tracker or just using the the different uh, columns that you can add to your uh, your your displayed projections and, and rankings is 
that you can look at all the ADP, you can look at the the O ranks from from Yahoo, um, and and you can look at the O ranks from ESPN. You can look at the A the ADP from Fantrax. You can look at the O ranks from Fantrax, and you have this wealth of data to look at and to say, okay, this player's probably going to be taken in this range on this site that we're drafting on, but I also value him from this range to that range, both in from the context of whatever punt strategy I'm using and from whatever I want to know what range other people are valuing them to, just so you can kind of get this whole whole context of where do you have to draft this person or where, where do these people get drafted and where should they be drafted so that when you are in the draft, you don't make any decisions while building your team that are going to dig you in such a big hole that you just can't get out of it. Um, Well, even if you're in a snake draft, you know, you got time between those picks. That's a lot of um, information to even to calculate, even if you are on like the, the turn and you have a lot of picks in between your picks, still a lot of information to calculate looking at the rest of the league, looking at your team makeup, try to figure out which guys are, uh, are now going to be overvalued by you personally, but undervalued by the rest of the league. Um, so having like a tool in front of you of some sort, or at least just having the players listed that you know uh, fit a, a couple punt strategies in front of you, especially if you know what pick you're going to be going into the draft, puts you way ahead of everybody else. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you the end game is you want to feel confident that you're taking guys at good values or at places where you have to take them in some respects, too. Um, and you want to be able to identify based on the rankings or the the uh, the ADP, the the draft, um, the average draft position that that guys are going at on a given site. You just want to you want to be able to to take in all those data points and try to to make the best choice you can. And I guess that's that's all I'm getting at here. Yeah, and so like I don't know about you, but a lot of the um, a very common question I get is you know who should I take in the first round. Like, oh, well, what, where are you picking? What does it matter? Like, what does it what, matter? What right? draft are you, what kind of league are you playing in too? Because it depends yeah. on what, what, what time, kind of team you're building. Now with that said, Completely. in general, the first two picks this year are Anthony Davis and, and James Harden, but yeah. you guys have already had that conversation. So we don't need to go into that. Yeah, definitely. Like, and then there's kind of a tier of, you know, five to six guys who are all very good. And then there's another tier of like six or seven guys. who are all pretty good. And, like, that's pretty much figured out by everybody. But once you get past those, like, three to four rounds, that's when I feel like drafts are really won. And that comes from the people who are prepared to look at players in that, like, 40 to 70 and 70 to 100 range. Here's the other thing, though. After you get past, like, the number 37th ranked player, there's this just, as uh, as Dan Bespris would say, a bucket of guys. And this bucket of guys is from essentially the end of round four through rounds like eight, about round eight. And you're, you're talking about like a group of about 40 players over that, that four to five rounds where all of their potential or all of their potential value is, is, is in that, that grouping. So you're you're really just trying to figure out which guys are going to be available throughout that those four to five rounds who are going to help you build the team you want. So 
you're seeing you know, this huge rush for big men with with big with good percentages early in the fourth and fifth round right now, where Miles Turner's going higher than people uh, thought would he would go this yeah. year to begin. You know, DeAndre Ayton's going higher than people thought. That's always um, a surprise to me. Jarrett Allen's up there going like high as heck. Um, and, and this just this, there's just big rush on on big men. I'm okay with going and getting those guys. That's where you have to get them. So if you have to overpay because you need to get a, a DeAndre Ayton or a Jared Allen or a Miles Turner earlier than when you thought you were going to have to, that's just where you have to take them. So do it. Yeah, it's, um, it's not the end of the world if you reach down because you're not really reaching down. You're reaching across a tier of players. And I think I'm trying to get people to think more about tiers instead of rankings this season. Um, and there's always going to be a rush on those on those centers. Or sometimes I suggest if you, zig instead of zag. If everybody's going bigs uh, and you don't have any bigs from your first couple rounds, well, maybe you're punting the big sets. I don't like to go into the, the, uh, the one head league with a punting strategy. Yeah, but you don't. I mean, you don't like to punt though. No, right? I'm not. I'm not a huge uh, punter either. But when I do play head to head, I do try to punt based off of my first couple of players, and that's. Kind of Tyler's influence, I'd say. So, when uh, Tyler, when you pick your first couple of players, you're spending those three to rounds three to round five and six to either strengthen your your best stats or fill in the holes. Is that pretty accurate? Yeah, I mean, a lot of it is math, right? Like at the end of the day, sure, these guys are playing basketball, but to win a fantasy league, like a lot of it's just the numbers, right? Like that's all we really care about is what numbers is this person producing. Um, so if you break it down and you can really kind of figure out what you need from every spot, like from every spot, I need six and a half rebounds. I need four assists. I need a steal. I need this. I need that to win my league. And that all differs between how many teams are in your league and how deep your league is and how much streaming your league allows. You can really figure out by the numbers and then you can make the team based on that. Now that's a very complicated strategy and not one I'd recommend anyone who is a relative novice use. But I mean, that's how I do a lot of my drafts is I'm basically just filling in the stats I need with the players. And and it's like Kyle said, right? Like all these players in the middle rounds are grouped so tightly together that you basically just want the guys who are going to make your team the best. What I mean kind of by that too is like, one or two, 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 and maybe even three rounds difference in where you draft a guy doesn't necessarily matter all that much. Like it's not quote unquote reaching if you yeah. go get somebody because the reality of it is players do what they do. Once that player and their skills or their what their contributions are are off the board, you can't go find that somewhere else in, in a lot in some respects. So Sometimes you need to just go grab a guy because that's where he's going. And just because it's the fifth round instead of the seventh round, go look at the values. If you go and you look on on Basketball Monster and you look at the actual value column for these players and you see the differences between uh, the first player and the third player, it's the same amount of value as the difference between the 40th ranked player and the 70th ranked player or something to that context. Yeah, it's pretty extreme. It's, it's like at least right. a three or four round um, right. span of players that are all kind of like comparable. Yes. And so that's why it's more about how do you build your team? What do you need for your team? What's going to be available later in the draft? 
in those super late rounds, who are you who are you targeting for your eleventh, twelfth, thirteenth pick? Who's going to be adding out the the uh the, the fringe production for for your for your team? Who's going you know who's going to be available late so that you know well you know what if I can get blocks from Javel McGee in the last round or if I can get extra scoring from Mario Hizonia later, maybe Chetty Osman's going to bust out. He's somebody I can target. Uh, and he's going to give me a little bit of a diverse production across the board there in Cleveland this year. You're big on Osman this year, it feels. I'm just I, – I, look, if you look risk, at right? his talent, he's the second – he's going to be the second best player on that team, right? He's going to have plenty of playing time. I mean, Rodney Hood – I, 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 Cleveland didn't want to offer money because he can't play without a diaper. So like, yeah. so, uh, we don't, you know, yeah. we have a very negative view of Rod, Rodney hood as a fancy player. He's just podcast. been frustrating because he's been given a lot of opportunities and he's never really, um, capitalized on it. And as soon as he left the jazz last year, it was like, Hey, we're super good because Rodney hood's not on the court. You be giving us like empty offensive possessions and, and, you know, kind of a wet noodle defense. So you're looking in those in that, in those mid-tier rounds, and that's where really when you start uh, building your team, you're looking at first your strategy, second um, stat scarcity. So if there's only a few guys who get blocks and good rebounds, those are both very scarce um, statistics. Uh, but I got to assume you're also looking at upside. Uh, I look way too much at upside. I think that's one. I think of the everybody biggest, does. I think that's one of the biggest um, criticisms I'll get from people is is they'll see all my drafts at the the end of the draft season. They're like, Kyle, you didn't draft anybody over age twenty three. You know, it's like you got twenty teams. What are you doing? Um, well, well, but there are. You know, look. I think because there's just that big bucket of guys, and the more I obsess about that, the more I start to obsess about. Looking back to last season and saying, who's the next Donovan Mitchell? Who's the next Ben Simmons? Who's the next um give me a couple more breakout guys from who's the next Victor Oladipo? You know, who's the, the post hype breakout guy? Yeah. Oh, who's, 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 the next Chris, who's the next Chris Middleton? The guy who no one's paying attention to but is going to be is like incredible, incredibly That's solid and, and stays under the radar. It's def- I don't think it's Karis Levert. Chris Levert is definitely Chris Middleton. Oof, that's a that With is a little a bit hefty. more fierceness on his dribble. That's a that's a real sleeper. We keep saying to everybody: if you got Jared Allen and uh, uh, Johnny Collins in your sleeper list, you do not have a sleeper list. You have a list that is not; those are not sleepers. Every single person is on those guys. So much so that you lose that value. So uh, to us, the, those sleepers are oh, kind cool. of those late, late guys that you're talking about or just the old guys that no one's talking about anymore. Well, it's not even it's, it's about targeting guys too, who you expect to do better than where people are projecting them or where they're showing up in the, in the rankings. And, um, you know, like guys like Luka Doncic, I'm getting really high on. I'm big on Aaron Gordon this year. I just think that we've seen Aaron Gordon take a lot of pro- make a lot of progress each year in regards to adding different things to his game. He's very confident with the ball off the dribble now. He goes to the rack hard. He's 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 continued to improve with his three point shot, even having that really great stretch early in the season uh, to begin 
last year. So it, it just seems like in his age, what, 23 season, I think it is with Aaron Gordon. Yeah, he's 23. He is poised to having, having this new contract. I think it's, it's almost like undisputable now. He's the guy for the magic. That's probably who Steve Clifford's going to look to and say, look, dude, you, need, your to team. Be, you need to be our leading scorer. You need to, he was already averaging like what? I think I have projected for 2.9 assists this season. So it's not like Gordon's a slouch in, in, in those regards. I think the idea that his um, four years at small forward in, in, in past seasons were uh, a tr- like a tragedy. No, I don't think there, it was as bad as what people think. And again, 23, the fact that he had that opportunity to develop at small forward in the past, certainly going to help this year. Also, if you look Aaron Gordon admittedly, he said he admitted that he wasn't as good on defense last season as he had been in the past. And Aaron Gordon before last season was largely, largely regarded as a great defender. And when you would watch his highlights, he would be guarding guys like Kyrie Irving on one night, and then he'd be guarding DeMarcus Cousins on the next night and doing so adequately. Yeah, like above average. Exceptionally. Yeah. So the, the, the versatility. To be able to do that, that's why it drives me nuts to have people discount Aaron Gordon's potential as an impact player in this NBA, in a positionless NBA. What is he, six? Is he six eight or six nine? Anyway, yeah, it's somewhere around there, somewhere around the six nine area. Well, he's going to get the minutes. We always say that's the most important stat on the line here is the minutes per game. And uh, I, I kind of like that, you know, like I said, John Collins is not a sleeper. Everybody's on him. A good candidate for a real sleepers list is the sleeper from last year that didn't pan out. And now, Tyler, you might have a uh, – I think you have a different opinion of, uh, about Aaron Gordon, uh, if, I, if I remember correctly. Well, so I, I'm just worried that we've – Aaron Gordon's had the chances, right, the last couple of years to be that man and that man. And he, he took a step forward last year and maybe he takes another one this year, but I'm, I don't know. I'm not super huge on him breaking out. And the thing, other thing that worries me about Aaron Gordon is I keep seeing him going higher and higher and higher in the draft. And I mean, like, Perfect. give me some, give me someone like Al Horford. <laughs> give you Al Horford over Aaron Gordon? Anybody who takes <laughs> Al Horford over Aaron Gordon this year, I'm telling you, you're making a huge mistake. We are, we are, we are very proponents of the old overlooked man. Yeah, but I, it's not I, Al I Horford see, this season. It's not like... Al Horford. Not with not with Gordon Hayward coming back. Not with Kyrie Irving healthy. Not with Jason Tatum having taken that step forward. Not with Markeith Morris still on or Marcus Morris still on that team. Like, are you betting that Irving stays extremely healthy though? Like, I think that just just a what, large. Why would conflict. he not? Well, he's healthy. It's, it's been he, a while since he's had a full healthy season. <laughs> but I'm not going to be drafting with Kyrie Irving's health in mind. Uh, I might drop him, um, you know, like a five, six spots in my overall in my head, yeah. but like not not by a round. Like no, if, you're, Kyrie look, if you're discounting Kyrie Irving, you're discounting him because you think that the Celtics are going to be so good that they are not playing their best players in the fourth quarter a lot of nights, which is that's where Kyrie Irving's value took a hit last season at some point is because the. The Celtics, if they're as deep as they are, which they are, <laughs> they may not have to play their guys more than 30 or 31 minutes a lot of nights. And it's not because they aren't trying to give them those minutes. It's not because Brad Stevens not like, yo, dude, I'm trying to give you that 34 minutes that that I want to give you, but we just can't get that far because you guys are too good. 
and well, you're and blowing the, teams out of the water every I night. Say that East is not good, especially when you get past the first four or five teams. This hold on, we need to talk about that. That's <laughs> the most okay. What team? How, how? What teams are legitimate title contenders this year? And then, which conference has the most title contenders? Because I would argue it's the East. Well, well, that's a that's a loaded question, right? Is yeah. that the team with the the the, le- the conference with the most title contenders is definitely in the East because it's it's just the Warriors and the Rockets in the West. But, no, dude, you can't. Oh, LeBron's been to how many straight finals? I'm, well, yeah, I'm going to discount LeBron real I think hard. There's three teams in that West. I'm not impressed. You know what I mean? Like three teams in that West can make it to the finals. I think there's only three. There's a lot of teams in the East that could make it to the finals, but would I favor them to beat any of those teams in the West? The answer to that question might be no. Huh. Maybe Boston. What three teams in the East? Toronto, I'd say. Toronto, Boston, and Philly. I mean, what oh other? Oh my god! What? There's, there's, you're missing a big one, man. Who do you got? The Bucks. <laughs> you got it, brother. Oh, you're. I mean, you're just big on Giannis. No, 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 no. I'm not big on him. He's I the am. best player in the league. So Woo. if you have the best player in the league on your team, and you just added a coach. Well, they got a coach now. That's the that they that's they didn't have a coach last year. We can all and you had Brooke Lopez, which means no big loafing John Henson hanging out around the free throw line just gumbing around. There. I'm tired of these. There's always one, and like, who's the next John Henson? The guy who's uh, everyone's like, man, his per thirty six blocks look great, but if he could just finally play more than nineteen minutes a game, like. Who's that? The next John Henson that everybody slobbers over and he never ever pans out. I mean, it might be Mitchell Robinson. I hope not. Mo Bamba. Uh, oh man, no, we can't yeah. be throwing Mo Bamba to the woods like that. Yeah, President President Mo Bamba. Come on. How do you guys sit on Trey Young? Tyler's a fan. I'm I'm a little I'm a little lukewarm. Uh, I've been a fan ever since I went to Atlanta this summer, and like everywhere. Party with Trey Young. All the street signs. Like, you know, they put up those little banners on the street signs, like outside the arena. They were all Trey Young's picture. And I was like, man, they're going to give this guy a ton of minutes. They're going to put the ball in his hands. They're going to let him do his thing. He might shoot a terrible field goal percentage, like real bad, like in the 39, 38% range. But he's going to hit threes. He's going to score. He's going to give you assists. Like in a head-to-head league, he's going to be worthy of a easily top 100 pick, I think. I'm not sure he makes it out of training camp with the Hawks. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, it's just the two extremes here. Uh, <laughs> I'll be the man in the middle of going. He'll be the 105th best player. Well, listen. like hey, That's like right where he's ranked in, in uh, all the fantasy I, rankings. I, I mean, it's possible, but I just think they're going to give him the opportunity, right? And we talk about they that. Like Minutes are important. They don't have any other options. That's It's it's so freaking hilarious. Travis Schlank drafted <laughs> this guy who's got like – some, I think some pretty scary um, red flags in regards to whether or not he's going to be able to physically stand up to playing in the NBA. And, and because, oh my gosh. Well, he I, I just don't know if he can do it, man. He was throwing up some garbage at summer league and, and not like your, you know, usual, this person takes their garbage out every couple of days kind of thing. This I'm talking like a neglected kind of garbage. Well, and he, he 
struggled big time guarding players in the NCAA. And I mean, I'm not a huge college basketball expert or anything, but you could just put on the game and see like, he's struggling to guard this guy. Who's not even really an NBA prospect. So, I mean, the defense could be a real issue. And then how much are people actually going to like playing with a guy who chucks like that? I know everybody wants to say, Oh, he's he's a great passer. Yeah. He's that's going to carry him. He's more like Steve Nash than Steph Curry. (laughs) He's like Steve Nash. (laughs) (laughs) Give me a break, man. This guy had the ball in his hands so much in college that on that, on that, uh, Oklahoma, right? See, I don't even know what team. Oklahoma. And they were a bad team. Well, that's exactly. That's just it. You go look at nobody else was scoring. Nobody else had the ball in their hands. The narrative is is now he's playing with NBA players, right? And now he's actually going to be able to do something more than jack shots. Is that in his DNA? That's he's a decent passer. He's probably the second or third best passer in that draft class, in my opinion. But he didn't really get the show at a time because there was not much on the team to pass to. Did you just did you just make the argument that he is going to be better because I don't I don't understand that like I don't understand how him having better players around him is going to make him bigger and stronger and better at taking better shots oh he's definitely not going to take good shots well we can all agree on that oh yeah that's for sure but you can't get assists unless someone makes scores if I played with somebody like him I'd be screaming at him all the time like to to change their game I'd be a horrible teammate to that person so you'd be a horrible team to, uh, teammate to Westbrook as well, I assume. No, he'd just be fun to watch. I'd be like, <laughs> hey, man, you think the ball. <laughs> Take the ball, man. Go dunk. <laughs> Woo. Yeah. I'll so, go stand in the corner. I don't mind. But, Trey Young, but that's just it. Westbrook's going to you know, be amazing to watch. Trey Young's going to be a dumpster fire. You know, He is good luck, man. I got a player I'd like to fire at you. Hey, guys. still. Well, I'm sorry, what? I'd, I got a player I'd like to fire at you. Your okay, uh, just last, last, thought, last thought on Trey Young. All right. Uh, punt field goal percentage build. Hell yeah, man. You know, grab him. Right, and that's what I mean. If I would not even touch him in a Roto League. I think he's going to shoot a ton of shots on a terrible field goal percentage. Yeah, like, yeah. in Roto, I'm out completely. Yeah. He might create a singularity event with how poor his uh, – <laughs> Yeah. All right. Anyways, so he, build, he might build another arena next to the arena with his bricks. So oh. I know you've been big on D'Angelo Russell in the past. I want to know your thoughts on D'Angelo Russell for this season. Favorite player. You I, love him. Uh, only player I love more than Aaron Gordon. I mean, yeah, D'Angelo Russell is Aaron Gordon. No, that's oh not gosh. true. Um, no, I, I just I I like the potential that's still there and the opportunity potentially. It depends on what. Atkinson does decides to do, but they've got 10 players who are going to play on that team. So that's, that's going to maybe create a situation where Russell just doesn't get the D'Angelo Russell doesn't get the minutes that um, wouldn't allow him to have the, the peak value that would be available to him on other teams. And that's my big worry about him is I just see there's so many bodies there and all guys that I think they want to play. And so I'm just worried that he sinks in that like 28 minute in the night range. And I mean, he's been good in that, but it just, there's, there's more with if he gets like 32 minutes, right? Down the stretch of last season, Atkinson ran a smaller rotation and was given, you know, Rondé Hollis, Jefferson and other guys, a lot of minutes. So uh, at least on certain nights, 
So there's still like a glimmer of hope that at some point the Nets are going to turn the page from this whatever they are, and they're actually going to let some of their guys blossom. So I'm still waiting for that, that, you know, like Jared Allen, almost everybody has them projected for 25, 26 minutes per game this season, maybe 27, because you just can't go too high on that projection, knowing that the Brooklyn Nets limit a lot of their players' ceilings by limiting their minutes, and they and they'll go deep with the rotation. So it's and they'll play a lot of small ball centers. So it's it's hard to feel certain that anybody's ceiling is is too high on the nets. But there is still the the glimmer of hope that there's at least that thirty minute ceiling that Brook Lopez had in the past um, as as the the team's best player uh, formerly. Well, and, and I think I just really like D'Angelo Russell's value, especially on Yahoo, right? Like he's getting picked 84th and there's a lot of names like Darren Collison and, you know, guys ahead of him, Tim Hardaway Jr. That I'm just like, man, that just seems like a huge mistake if people are actually making those picks. Well, you know, his his percentages and his turnovers are so crappy that if you look at his nine cat ranking for uh, projections, for my projections, I believe D'Angelo Russell ranks out at like the 116th player. That's how bad he, that's how negative his percentages and his turnovers are. But if you are punting the tur- turnovers and both percentages, D'Angelo Russell is the 34th ranked player based on his counting stats. So, mm, you know, I'll, I'm going to be looking at him at a, as a decent value if I get him in, you know, with the 60th pick or 70th pick, uh, if I'm lucky enough for him to drop that far, which probably won't happen. Well, I don't know. His ADP is 84 on Yahoo, which I still I can't believe. I cannot believe that. That just seems way too low. I, you know, is going ahead of him, which seems crazy. I'm not going to think that D'Angelo Russell is going to have another knee surgery this year. I'm going to go into it thinking he's going to be healthy because he is right now. So I'm gonna I'm gonna draft him in those middle rounds if he fits my team build. If I need some scoring and assists uh, with some upside uh, in the the mid middle rounds. Yeah. And right. you you admitted yourself that the upside is the is the kicker for you. And if you think you like you said you have these big buckets of players. So if you got Al, Al Horford sitting there and you also have, you know, Paul Millsap sitting there, you, you would much rather look at someone like Lowry Marketing or Tobias Harris or even John Collins. Let's talk about Lowry Marketing. Um, my you favorite like player. Him, to the point that you actually, didn't you say that he, sh- okay, now here's the thing. I think Dirk 3.0 is the language I used. Oh my God. <laughs> okay. Lowry Markkinen. He's is... your Stanley Johnson, Kyle. This is Mike Stanley Johnson. No, that's that's not fair to Lowry because at least he was like productive last year. We've yet to see like consistent production from Stanley Johnson, even though Stanley Johnson, who is a hybrid of Kawhi and James Harden, to anybody who did not know, uh, he will start to show out this year. I wouldn't be surprised if he won uh, all the All Star spots <laughs> all of them at once <laughs> all of them. Uh, mvp most improved player defensive player of the year uh offensive player of the year and they're probably gonna invent a couple more awards for him wow the stanley johnson memorial award quick quickest uh quickest leaving a game after airballing five shots will be the award that stanley johnson gets whatever man there's it's just trash. certain ways he needs to be used that i can't believe you're even bringing well. up stanley johnson around uh the Lowry legend. Okay. All right. 
Okay, so so no no Lowry Markinen though. Um, what's his like? What can he become? How how good can he be? And don't maybe I, I guess I already heard you say Dirk three so I can't uh, yeah, get I'm, anything reasonable out of you, Mike. That's that's not true. I can I can be reasonable when I turn off the Bulls fandom that courses through my veins um, unapologetically. The guy's already one of the best big perimeter shooters. He's shooting at a, at the levels that. Car Anthony Towns is shooting at from the perimeter. Um, he's obviously not the same type of player as Larry Markkinen, but uh, team Carl Anthony been... Towns reached into the podcast and slapped you in the mouth for <laughs> putting him in the <laughs> same sentence look, as Larry Markkinen. Look at the advanced stats on shooting. Uh, Larry Markkinen uh, is as good of a perimeter shooter, if not better, than Car Anthony Towns. Car Anthony Towns has got a lot of other skills, uh, except for maybe defense. Larry Markkinen is incredibly young. He already has NBA skills. He already has NBA range. He's already got a pretty good NBA body. He's doing extra things like staying in front of Steph Curry uh, and being competent, competent at defense and uh, dunking over players. Who's he going to be? 20 years old. Who's he going to be? Who could he be? That's a tough. Uh, that's a Ryan, tough. Ryan Anderson's my. That's me. I mean, he's already better than Ryan Anderson he's ever either was. Ryan Anderson or like a la, uh, like less, a three less, a three point uh, shooting Lamarcus Aldridge. Stun no, silence. He's not, in, <laughs> not, he's not in the same conversation as Lamarcus Aldridge. A shorter Kristaps Porzingis. <laughs> There, he's that's just it. He's yeah, not, not has left the podcast. He's uh, not at the nice. top of the pyramid, okay? He is, he's, he's, not. The, he's the second best player on a championship team. Whoa, no way! No I way, think he, could he is, he is Bob Horry, okay? Well, Dirk was the best player on a championship team, yeah. So, not Dirk, no, not yet. The guy can shoot, and he's barely, he's barely there 20 there years old. There we go, that's what we've been getting to. He can shoot. You're right. He can shoot three pointers. He can do that, and he can do a little bit of other stuff. He can. But he's not incompetent when it comes to defense, and he's, he's still really young. He's incredibly young. I just think that he's and dude, Ryan Anderson was what a top thirty-five, forty player at certain points in his career, like when healthy. In regards to his statistical production, now, Ryan Anderson's a fine player for him to eventually become, and I think that's kind of what kind of impact. Lowry Markkinen is going to make is the kind of impact that a Ryan Anderson makes. Now, yeah, I'm fine with that. A, a, a much more athletic Ryan Anderson. And so he could actually, like Ryan Anderson, even at his peak, if you throw him in to the league today, just isn't isn't as um, probably more effective athletic? of a player. I don't know if he's an effective a player because he, he, he wasn't Mark- athletic. Is athletic? He's, he's more athletic. athletic. He is. He's quite uh, more athletic no. than you think he is. No, he he moves pretty, pretty standard for a, a person his size. I think. Well, he does have. I think he does have a lot of upside. Like f- fantasy wise, let's just throw it there. You were a big fan of Jabari Parker and uh, Zach Levine in those in those later rounds. I, I agree with you on one of those guys. Actually, I think Jabari is a, is a pretty good later round pick. I don't know why you're picking Zach Levine. Do you think those guys hurt Larry Markkinen's like value when it comes to, you know, his, his fantasy value next season? Yes, I do. Tyler, what were you saying? 
I was going to say solve a debate for us. Who leads the Bulls in scoring? Mike Ooh, and I are on different sides of this. We point. are on different sides. I was hoping – dude, that's hilarious because that's – this whole thing with me bringing our marketing was because Mike said that he thinks that – I think on your guys' – you guys already did the Bulls team pod. We pod did. Pod. Yeah, and, and Mike, you said marketing should be the leading scorer, but you don't necessarily think he will he, likely be, right? He, certainly should be how they run the off who they run the office through. He should be taking the most shots on the floor and he'll probably be the third most shot taker. Maybe he hopefully not fourth like uh Carl Anthony Towns is. No, but hey, uh he'll oh, be the third most shot taker. Oh wow. You uh No Carl Anthony Towns is like the fourth he shoots the fourth yeah. most shots on that team. What's the, he should what's going on there? Uh really bad coaching. Yeah, which is why you're is seeing all this turmoil. It turns out I'm not as upset about the Tom Thibodeau um, and Jimmy Butler trades as I was once was. Wow! Any 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 coach who had Carl Anthony Towns, why would you not? You run everything through him. Uh, run 70, 70 plays for him. Use the first option. Hey, Jimmy Butler, all that really hard work you do trying to get your buckets. Relax, pal. We got pa- to pass the ball, Jimmy. Yeah, give it up a little bit. All right. Jeez. Oh, why'd you go get Jeff Teague? When you had a low usage, three point shooting uh, guy who can do it off the dribble sitting on your bench in Tyus Jones, who you who was kindly drafted for you before you got there, or did he even t- take Tyus Jones? I don't, I don't even Tyus know. Tyus Jones, terribly underrated. So, I wish he could get on. Uh, trade him to the Pistons. <laughs> he is a. I want. I want to get. The uh, the reasoning your for your love around Jabari Parker and Zach Levine, and then I actually want to ask you a question about the Timberwolves. So first, oh, you have sorry. to answer what is your what is your freaking deal with Zach Levine? Like I get Jabari Parker, he's going to score. They just paid both these dudes twenty million a year to be their two leading scorers. Now they don't have to try. Well, Parker has to try because he's only got a one year contract. And both these guys are bucket getters. That's what they do. They're going to score. So you can, because of their injury issues from last year, because of Levine's poor field goal percentage from last year, go back and look at what Levine has shot in the past for the Timberwolves. I think he was, what, a 45% uh, shooter from the field at least in the past? I don't have it up with me right now with this uh, setup I got. But um, there's a good potential for... Levine's field goal percentage to come back up. Now, granted, he's going to be seeing, you know, one of the reasons why he, in addition to coming back from an ACL uh, surgery last year, one of the reasons why Levine's field goal percentage was probably so terrible on the Bulls is because he was the the number one option on that team or the, or the guy that the other teams would probably maybe uh, focus on for their defensive preparation. So there's he's going to see more pressure on, on offense than what he saw playing on those Minnesota teams with a guy like Ricky Rubio uh, and Carl Anthony Towns. So, um, yeah, from that perspective, you're going to think that maybe Zach Levine's field goal percentage never gets back up to what it was with the Timberwolves, but at least he's showing us that that is his potential, that that's that's where he could be with things. So um, I look at Zach Levine and I say potential 20-point score late in the draft who is still young and still has a lot of upside. Yeah. Let's see where it goes. And with Jabari Parker, you can get him late enough, but my projections project him out at like a top 50 player. So. Yeah. And we like, or at least I do. I like Jabari Parker. I think Tyler's all right with him. Uh, Jabari Parker had that. Cause it's a, it's a high, maybe high risk. Right. But it's, it's a pretty good reward. 
It's a great reward. It's not like you're actually investing a top five, top, you know, a fifth round pick. No, hopefully it's like an eighth or ninth round pick. Exactly. You're hoping to get him in the eighth, ninth, tenth round. You're hoping to get Jabari Parker later in your draft. So, But like, I like Parker's ceiling better because Zach Levine, we talked about this, uh, I think, on, a, uh, on the Bulls podcast. He did average about 45 to 46% in Minnesota. But the year he played 37 minutes per game, which he's not going to play in Chicago. He maybe. had ni- maybe he had 19 points, two and a half threes, both very good, and then less than a steal, three assists, three rebounds. He's a middle of the pack, and I don't know how he gets more usage or more minutes than that okay. middle of the pack type player. He's expected to to kind of be used as a facilitator more with That's the Bulls than what he was with the uh, I mean the Timberwolves. So there's 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 some upside there. Maybe a little bit, but Chris Dunn has done a decent job yeah. at, at being a point guard on this team, Chris, which has been Chris Dunn's good. He's, he's definitely good on defense. Steel guy. He's got guys who are going to score around him now, so I, I like his assist numbers to go up a little bit. He's got elite steals. So I, I like Chris Dunn as a, as a prospect much more than I like Zach Levine. Chris Dunn's an, uh, he's a good player. He's, he's an interesting guy. Uh, we'll see how he develops. I don't know if he's going to continue to get that much better over the course of his career. Um, sure. But the, the, the fact that he's that good after that slow start is actually pretty impressive. It means he did actually work on that game. I mean, a lot of it just boils down to there, there's a lot of opportunity there for Jabari Parker and Zach Levine. And that's kind of the name of the game in fantasy. You want people who are going to have a lot of opportunity in minutes and usage or possessions. So Jabari leads the team in scoring. You heard it here first. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Jabari's not going to let Zach Levine take more shots than Mike, him. Mike thinks he's going to. That I, think Levine, that last time. I think Zach Levine is going to take more shots than Jabari Parker. Jabari already said it. He said, he, he, <laughs> listen to what Jabari said this summer. He said, uh, defense doesn't get you paid. And um, he definitely said that. I remember that. That's all that. That's, that's all you really need to know. Well, I'm going go to get you paid. So Jabari go came here to get buckets because he wants a huge contract next time, not a two-year, $40 million deal like some chump off the street gets. Well, uh, I, I'm going to go to more Chicago Bulls games this year than I did last year, if that's saying anything. Who, uh, dude, I don't know why there's all this flack on Jabari. Like, the dude I'm busts for, his I'm ACL pro, twice and still comes back and he's yamming, you know? Like, I'm a little bit worried that he's doing all this high-pressure, um, non-contact stuff in regards to pogo stick and all over the place, but this dude throws down some monster strong jams. Um, he's got the thickest tree trunks of legs, uh, you know, popping booty. Uh, love Jabari Parker. He's going to get buckets, man. Well, he's also going to have the support of the city because when you're from Chicago, you get the, the support. The whole city goes behind you no matter who it, you are, what you do. Mike, as a Roto player, you got to love him for those great percentages, right, guys? I do. I mean, his free throws, meh. But, yeah, uh, but that field goal percentage is pretty dope. It is nice. Oh, the... and and I'm sorry, but like, what's the difference between small forward and power forward in today's NBA? Really? So who cares if he's playing small forward? Who cares? You know, I didn't. Matter. I didn't mention this in the uh, the league uh, when we were talking about our favorite types of league: guard, guard, forward, forward. Let's let's just stop with the the point guard shoot. It's over. Like there, it's positionless basketball. Um, uh, Josh makes a, a good point on his podcast a lot. The whole fact that Yahoo with their double center, um, default rank, yeah. uh, settings for the leagues, take that out of there. Okay. Look yeah. at it. You, you only have to play one point guard 
you only have to play one shooting guard, one small forward, one power forward, and then there's an additional forward and additional guard spot, which is half of a of those other positions. Whereas you have to roster two centers in a league where centers are becoming the yeah. thing of the past. Centers well, aren't even on the all-star team. And what's annoying is they don't want to give those like power forwards who play at the five the eligibility. That's what annoys me is like they only want to give it to those traditional players like Jonas Valanciunas and those guys. And it's like you're going to make two center spots and then not give it to guys who play center half the time. The fact that John Collins on ESPN only has power forward and not power forward or center just makes me want to punch was, everything. Did it take AD like when Boogie was there? Didn't AD only have power forward for a while? That's hilariously stupid. Like, what the what's going well, on here? And why why be to any of these fantasy sites? Like I love you all, anybody and everybody that works at them. And but like if you're hosting things, like don't be stingy with the position eligibility in the positionless NBA today. Just don't don't. Okay, look, Ben Simmons a point guard. And if you want to make him a power forward too, sure, do that because yeah. he gets ten rebounds a game. And guess where he plays on defense a lot around the damn hoop. So, anyways, no, I'm I'm 100 percent with you on that. Um, I did want to talk uh, when you talked about the Timberwolves. It reminded me that Thibodeau is easily the most predictable type of coach. He plays his starters 37 minutes. He doesn't play his bench at all. He's the easiest team to figure out. For you, when you until were until he winning, isn't, well, until he isn't there, um, who is wh- which team this year was the hardest for you to figure out when it came to rotation and and minutes? Oh, good question. Um, the Spurs are a little bit wonky. They always but, are, right? But in in most respects, you just just kind of like turn the volume down on everything with them, like. You want to you want to sit there and you want to go. Oh, they're going to play Demar Derozan a bunch at shooting guard, but then you look at the roster and you're like, they have to play this dude a sugar ton at small forward. And then you look at Rudy Gay and you're like, okay, there's no Kyle Anderson there, there's no Kawhi Leonard, but there was no Kawhi last year. There's no Danny Green. Um, okay, are they are they going to give Rudy Gay 31 minutes a game? Are they going to start him every night at small forward or power forward? Yeah. Um, or are they going to put put Rudy Gay in a box like they had Danny Green in for so long? You know, 26 minutes a game, 27 maybe. Kyle Anderson, even though Kawhi's out, we're only going to play you 27 to 29 minutes every game. Oh, we're going to do a lot of Patty Mills at shooting guard lineups. Oh, Let's do a lot of those. So... Yeah, the Spurs were a little bit frustrating. Um, trying hey, to think, I think that's uh, why people are on to Dejounte Murray because it's like, what what else you got going on there? And he's a great at a out of uh, stats out of position kind of guy. Oh yeah, Dejounte Murray's great because he is he's the one guy who with that Spurs team, you know, other than Lamarcus and Demar Derozan, who you know are going to get their minutes. Um, Dejounte's he's the the he's going to be the third biggest minutes getter on that team. Almost guaranteed. Maybe Rudy outplays him, but I don't think so. That'd be a tough one. Um, I all wish right, Jacoberto was just their center, but it's probably going to be Paul a Gasol. rotating cast of sometimes Paul Gasol, sometimes Lamarcus Aldridge, sometimes Jacoberto. Um, I can't yeah. believe Paul Gasol's still in the league. Are you going to try and end this podcast, Mike? We're not ending it until like tomorrow at seven a.m. Uh, we are about to end it. I had one last uh, feature. I'm going to put. Uh, for old times, you versus Tyler in a lightning round of questions. And we're just going to go real quick, and then we are going to call it. Um, are you guys ready? 
Sure. All right. Kyle, head-to-head league, third pick. Who do you got? Giannis. Uh, you're picking the 12-13 pick back-to-back. Who do you got? Kawhi and Joel Embiid. All right, Tyler, third pick. Uh-oh, did we lose Tyler? Tyler? All right, this game is just for Kyle now. Um, Devin Booker or Donovan Mitchell? Oh, wow. Probably Devin Booker. Kimba Walker, Kyrie. Actually, definitely Devin Booker. Um, Kemba Walker or Kyrie? Kyrie. Gotcha. Uh, Clay or Bradley Beal? Bradley Beal. Larry Markin. Don't take either of them. Shooting guards are a dime a dozen. Ooh. Get them later. That's a pro tip right there. Uh, Larry Markin or Nico Miritich? Oh, wow. Both kings uh, of my heart. I, In general, I would say uh, Nikola Miritich. But I fear that there may be some bias in that. I'm okay with bias with Nico because there's plenty of bias on my end. And I don't think uh, Julius Randle is that good of a nine-cap player. Um, Johnny Collins or Jared Allen? Johnny Collins. Ooh. Eric Gordon or Alan Crabb? That's my favorite, my favorite question. Eric Gordon or Alan Crabb? Yeah, my Eric favorite Gordon. question. All right. Uh, and who's your favorite so far in all the mock drafts you've done? Who's your favorite last pick? I'm made? really loving Chetty Osman right now. Chetty Osman, it is. You are a sucker for Chetty Osman. Matt Smith put me on to Chetty Osman. I was like discounting oh. Chetty Osman for some reason. And and I noticed Matt took him at like the 11th or 12th round in one draft. And I'm thinking Chetty's like obviously just only a, a late, you know, last round flyer kind of guy right now because of all the. Who knows what's going to happen with that Cleveland team? That that's that's probably the most frustrating one to draft, if being completely honest. Because, or I mean, to to have projected out. Because is Colin Sexton actually going to be their starting point guard, or are we going to see George Hill start at point guard? Who's is J.R. Smith going to play good minutes at all? Or is Kyle Korver still going to play a lot of minutes? Is he going to leave but, the team? You know, like Rodney Hood wasn't really signed for. Wasn't signed for a long time. Now he's on a qualifying offer. So now you're looking at a Nerlens Noel situation where it's like, is Rodney Hood just discontent, you know, and crapping his pants on the court every night? And if that's the case, then when you break down all these different things and you look at that front court and you say, well, they played Tristan Thompson a lot last year in the playoffs. So what's <laughs> are they are they actually going to go to a Larry Nance as the starting center, or are we going to see him? Ty Lue wring his hands on that whole situation because the the reality of it is a lot of people want to sit there and say they're going to play Colin Sexton and they're going to do this and George Hill and Tristan Thompson and all these guys, they're not going to play at all and it's and J.R. Smith's not going to play at all. And it's like they have pretty considerable contracts with all of these guys. Yes. And if they want to get rid of them, they have to show that they are – living, breathing basketball players, which means they have to put them on the court in games and try to compete. This team has also said they're going to try to compete. Colin Sexton starting at point guard for you in the NBA right now doesn't make you compete more than George Hill. As much as I would like to think that that's true, it's, it's not. It, it is true with most other point guards. It's not necessarily true with Colin Sexton. Horrible pick by that organization. Absolutely well, terrible. Like when in the draft prep, most people had Colin Sexton as like at best a six man, like when his ceiling was as a six man. 
And so like people think he's going to come in and start as a rookie. And I'm like, from everything I've seen and heard, I, I just don't see that being even in the realm of possibilities. Yeah. Cleveland is a, entirely a crapshoot and people taking Sexton with their last round flyer. I, I don't agree with that. My, uh, my go-to is still Jeremy Lin right now. And I'm totally okay with that. I love that. If Jeremy Lin's healthy and Trey Young's as trash young as I think he's going to be, then Jeremy Lin could end up playing a huge role on that Hawks team. Also that the Hawks were already, everybody knows because of what was leaked about Kent Bazemore being offered up in trades on draft night, which means they're trying to get rid of their starting shooting guard, which could open up if, I mean, I don't do they looking at the rest of that roster. If Ken Bazemore got traded, Jeremy Lin probably starts a shooting guard just so that they have well, somebody I, out there with Trey Young to help help mitigate all that disaster that's that's potentially out there. That's why the, wouldn't that's why wouldn't they rotate him in and put Bazemore at three? Like, I, who knows what's going to be going on down there? It could happen. You're right. Maybe they. Oh no way though. They, I, I think it's good. They've got that depth at center. They're they're. I mean. Alex Lund's going to be there banging threes just like Dwayne Dedman started doing last year. It's going to be interesting. Atlanta, Cleveland, both are going to be really, really hard to figure out. So we're going to have to wait till probably preseason to get even the first inklings of what's going to happen there. Uh, Kyle McEwen from Basketball Monster, thank you so much for joining us here. It's been a pleasure. Hey, Mike, thanks. Um, people can follow me on Twitter at RotoKyleNBA. Um, also, go to Basketball Monster and sign up, subscribe. Uh, for draft prep season. Um, Josh is the initial set of projections and I'm the super monster set of projections. So you got to pay the uh, premium to get those Kyle projections. Got to pay the premium, man. That's right. Um, but yeah, no, then come on the site, chat with me, uh, go into the, the, the draft results articles from the beat the pro comment. Tell me how stupid I am for the guys I'm taking and the way I'm, I'm building do my teams. I'm going to do that part. I always appreciate it. Um, I'm just mad I missed out on beat the pro. I was gonna try to beat the pro. I'm just mad I missed it. Oh, dude, we there's plenty more beat the pro leagues going on, so um, you can you can definitely get we can get you into one if you want. We're doing a we got a, a Matt Matt Smith classic going on uh, tomorrow night that we might still have room in if you want to do a draft on Wednesday. It's a league though. You got to play this out, man. Oh, dude, I'm ready to play it out. Don't worry about that. All right, I'll hit you up on the tweet the tweet tweet. Yeah, let us know what's your Twitter again, Kyle. Roto Kyle NBA. What's your Twitter, Mike? Watch the boxes, of course. What's your Twitter, Tyler? Uh, at Tyler P. Watts. Hey. A brand new Twitter from Tyler. Uh, if you're not following Kyle on Twitter right now, I don't know what you're doing. Uh, I've Kyle got a thinks- lot of noti- notifications right now on Twitter, and I'm going to guess that it's something from Josh Lloyd because I'm just, to be honest, I'm not active enough on Twitter. I don't, people are mean, man. I don't like people, people like are mean on Twitter. Serious. Be coming at me with your serious nonsense on Twitter. Don't be talking to me, nameless, <laughs> faceless Twitter people. Come at me with love, maybe. Don't come yeah. at me with no hate. If, if you're on Twitter, spread love, everybody. Um, have, you, have, have you ever have you ever asked Josh Lloyd to take like one day off? I think he's doing a better job of finding <laughs> you know his balance in life. You know, that's uh, but that's something we all strive for. You know the. Uh, what is it? Uh, the um, oh, what did Buddha say? He said some stuff. Some some ying and some yang. Yeah, you gotta yeah. smoke a little ying. You gotta smoke a oh, little yang. Uh, I think it's something like you're, you. I think I saw it on Iron Fist season two. It was like uh, 
deep your pur- your purpose is finding your purpose. Oh. So you know, wow. life is just about living life. You know, there's nothing, there are no expectations for you other than the ones that you create for yourself. So you also create your own disappointment. So it's best not to have any expectations. <laughs> <laughs> there's not a better way to call this one. Uh, thanks everybody for joining us. Uh, check us out on Twitter. We appreciate you listening and have a good night. <laughs>